Well, would you look what the fish dragged in? If it isn't you making yet another appearance to my abode, or am I appearing in your abode? Is that okay? Are you alright with that? I guess I never asked if I could enter your home, or your ears, or your brain, but by pressing play, you did sign the consent form, and there is no going back. I am now in your brain, and you will never get rid of me. It's quite dusty in here. You could use some remodeling. Eh, we'll worry about that later. Right now is for right now. And right now is the acutely obtuse podcast, which means I must do my signature introduction to get that Pavlov responding. <clears throat> Greetings, my esteemed colleagues and fellow turd hurlers. Welcome to episode 5 of the Acutely Obtuse Podcast, the podcast listened to by all of NASA and the great Brian Cox, the favorite podcast of Bill Clinton Kid. If you don't know of whom I speak, he is probably right behind you. The only podcast to ever make J Dame Judy Dench cry tears of joy the acutely obtuse podcast i know i can't believe it either we finally made it we finally have more podcast episodes than there are hemispheres on the earth does that make me more interesting and complex than the planet upon which we reside I am not saying. You will have to come to your own conclusions on that one. How are you doing, esteemed turd-hurling person? I hope you are having an absolute blast of a day, but if not, that is perfectly okay. I myself am having an uncharacteristically positive outlook on life right now, I don't know why, but also, I'm not gonna question it. I did have some positive experiences this week, such as when I sat down on a bench, a squirrel ran over to me, went directly in front of me, sat up on their hind legs, and begged like food for a dog for a solid minute. It was adorable and hilarious. I've never had a squirrel do anything like that to me before. Obviously, I would have given the lad a snack, but I didn't have anything on me, so he eventually scampered away to search for food near the trees. What can I say? I have a spiritual connection with squirrels. Like a few weeks ago, I had another encounter with a squirrel poking their head out of a tree and turning his head at the same exact rate as I was going by, so we were like staring into each other's eyes while I walked by. Very intense, very funny, a bit creepy, but that is the way of the squirrel after all. You know who else I have a spiritual connection with? My fish family, and I am happy to report they are all still in quite good health. The only real development for this week was that I conducted them like an orchestra conductor. I put my hands out and was conducting, and they were following my hands as they went up and down. It was fantastic and will now be a core memory in my brain. Speaking of fish, we have some very interesting new research that continues to prove fish are 
the bomb diggity. But before we can even think of getting to that, I have an even more pressing update to discuss with you. Remember our previous discussions on the great and powerful headlines comparing asteroids to random creatures or objects? And remember how our friend Aaron at the Jerusalem Post is absolutely at the top of their game when it comes to such headlines? Well, friends, I am gleeful to inform you that not only is Aaron at it again, but this week we have two new great headlines from Aaron. My heart can barely take it. There is just too much beauty to go over here. Let's begin with the first one I found this week. Quote, Asteroid the size of 23 Borzoi dogs to pass Earth on Saturday. End quote. Perfection. Absolutely no notes. Just Aaron continuing to be the best in the biz. But then we got his second headline a few days later. Quote, Asteroid the size of 22 tuna fish to fly closer to Earth than the moon. End quote. Aaron, you're spoiling me. You're an absolute legend. I hope you know how much we turd hurlers all appreciate and love your work. You are my muse, and I can only hope that you continue to drink from whatever fount of intelligence and creativity is providing you with all these grand comparisons. Keep at it, Aaron. Keep at it. Okay, now that we have had our weekly dose of great Aaron headlines, we can jump into the many floor piles of science news I have for us today. There's just too much. I'm tripping over it any time I go to top off my Arnold Palmer. It's choking me with all of its science-ness and news-ness. So if you don't mind, while I'm here in your head, I'm just gonna stuff some of this science news here. It seems like you've got the space for it. For our first big headline of the day, we need to talk about this fish study I mentioned earlier. Yes, yes, a more competent podcaster might hold on to big fish news research like a carrot on a stick to keep you listening to uh, listening to their show forever. But first of all, please never call me derogatory terms like podcaster. And secondly, I'm an impatient child who cannot wait to talk to you about this new fish study. So we are going to talk about this new fish study. Listener retention be damned. Researchers published this study in my favorite science journal, the one that's just called Science what can I say? It's efficient, and it makes me giggle every time I have to bring it up. This new world basically explores this new work. I'm sorry. It's a bit of a weird day, if you can't already tell. I had caffeine. That's dangerous. I have energy, and when I have energy, I trip over my words. When I have energy, I get a bit crazy. This new work basically explores the, 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 the world of fish 
sharing emotions. Fish empathy, kind of, if you will. Basically, what they found is that when a fish sees that another fish is scared, the first fish can then become scared too. I feel like I say this every episode, but again, fish are way more intelligent and social and cool than anyone ever seems willing to admit. And also, as with lots of other fish research, this is something I could have told you just from my own observations with my fish family. Sometimes at night after I turn off all the lights, I suddenly realize I need something and I'll need the lights on to find it. So I'll turn the lights back on, alarming the fish. I feel really bad about it every time it's happened and I'm trying to be better about it. But sometimes I just forget and accidentally scare them. But when they are scared, one might jump up and make a mad dash. You can see the others will see that mad dash and start darting around as well, and then you can watch as they all collectively calm down. Sure, my method is not nearly as scientific as the researchers who discovered this by doing a little bit of ethically dubious genomic editing, but I was able to come to the same conclusions without potentially harming a fish's DNA, so ha! I may be a failure, but at least I got my morals. The study goes on, though, to show that fish will pay special attention to other fish that have previously been stressed out, showing that fish will console each other when someone in their community is stressed. I love it. I love it. I'm so happy. Fish are incredible and I love them so much. They are so insanely cool. Although, guys, Frank, Clementine, Sunship, Shadow the Hedgehog, Cheez-It, Mithril, Hank, Smaug, and others... I know I'm not in there with you, but I like to think that I'm a part of your community, and I am stressed quite frequently. Could you please, oh please, share some of that consoling with me? Uh, they seem completely ambivalent. Although sometimes when I'm feeling a bit down, they will seem to all gather around me, and although I have nothing to prove this, I would like to believe they are maybe trying to console me, kind of. I'll take what I can get. The researchers go on to talk about how this is all incredibly important for revealing how emotions evolved and how social bonds evolved and whatnot, but honestly... I don't care. I'm just happy about the ways fish interact with each other and take care of each other. Well, now that today's episode has peaked, where do we go from here? Hmm, I don't know. Harvard experts are going to look into something that fell from space and landed in the ocean near Papua New Guinea in 2014. That's kind of cool, I guess. A new paper says other researchers were wrong in claiming Stonehenge is a giant calendar. The new researchers called the theory, quote, ranting without a conclusion, end quote. God, I love when researchers are just using their work to publicly beef with each other. It's phenomenal. What else? 
scientists are trying to bring back an extinct bison now because why not? They keep trying to bring back all these random animals, yet nobody can bring back my wife and the kids. Get it? She took the kids. Divorce jokes. We. I must issue a correction. I have never been married. I am simply trying to be humorous by engaging with the top-tier comedy of our time. I apologize for this fake news. Okay, here we go. Here's some real science news that will get your brain all frothy with science and news. I love me some science froth. Don't have too much news froth, though. It's bad for your blood sugar. The Canadian Space Agency has revealed its new logo. And yep, it's better than ours, just like everything they do. I have long held the opinion that Canada is way better at branding itself than the United States is. I mean, the whole red maple leaf aesthetic alone is immaculate. What do we have here in the US of, ah, our flag is objectively gross, there's too many stripes and too many stars, it's over-designed and too busy and annoying, and NASA's logo reflects the depressing truth that our entire nation has been stuck in, like, the 70s ever since the 80s, and we're still not out of it. Meanwhile, Canada over here has the Maple Leaf, which is such a great logo because it plays into the actual nature of the land they live on, and is also just great when designing any future logos. Just slap that simple leaf on something and there you go. Canada. Down here, we have to make stuff over-designed and gross just to ensure it has all the colors and the stars and the stripes because otherwise, how will anyone know it was made by us? My point is, Canada has a banging brand, and America needs an overhaul, and this new Canadian Space Agency logo proves that. It's simple. Just a maple leaf with three little red stars. There you go. It's perfect. That's all you need. I wouldn't feel ridiculous wearing a shirt with this logo. Is there a Canadian Space Agency merch store? Okay, technically no, but they do have merch through the Canadian Museum of Science and Innovation. There you go. That's what we're doing after the break. We're going to look into Canada's store to see if they are better than us there too. But we still have quite a ways to go before the break, so I shall now stuff more science news into the crevices of your cranium. Researchers have come up with a blueprint for creating a wormhole in a lab. Now, I know some of you might hear that and get a little worried, thinking about all the things that in theory could go wrong. But I, on the other hand, see this as an opportunity. If Into the Spider-Verse has taught me anything, opening up a wormhole that exposes us to the rest of the universe or multiverse is how I'll finally meet someone who loves me. There may be nobody left on Earth, but out there, on Sector ELUB5%G Prime, there's one person. 
Reality, however, is often disappointing. And in reality, we are not about to open up the multiverse anytime soon. For starters, this whole wormhole thing is only on paper. Also, the researchers claim this would be able to move small objects through space without loss of particles. They don't say anything about, you know, people. Also, there's literally not a computer powerful enough to actually run this idea yet. So while this is an absolutely cool concept and good on the researchers for developing this, it's still pretty damn theoretical. Guess I won't be seeing that one person who loves me anytime soon. Something we could be seeing more of soon is the universe, because NASA and the Department of Energy are working to develop a telescope to put on the far side of the moon. This telescope, well, it's kind of a telescope, it's more of a little guy who's gonna be collecting radio frequencies and things. It's called the Lunar Surface Electromagnetics Experiment Night. The goal with this little thing is to collect more information on the radio environment on the moon and to learn more about the Dark Ages, or the period of time between 380,000 and 400 million years after the Big Bang. This would be a time before the first stars, hence the name Dark Ages. It's not really possible to measure radio waves pertaining to this area on Earth, at least not very well, so we gotta send a little guy to the moon to do the work for us. Speaking of weird little guys, did you know beetles drink out of their butts? Apparently, we've known this for a long time, yet nobody ever told me, so what was the point of all that schooling? Recently, though, researchers from Denmark and Scotland figure out how the whole butt-drinking thing works. Basically, with the power of the anus, the beetles pull the water from the air, then they convert it into a fluid and let their bodies absorb the fluid. In a sense, beetles are just anti-peeing. And the more I think about this, it seems kind of genius. Think about it, how often do you have to go and get water to keep your body hydrated? All the time, right? Think about if you could just use your booty to suck up the water in the air, and then you're all good. Where I'm at, it's always far too humid, so I would always have tons of free water available whenever I need it. You might think I'm being wacky, but reverse peeing could be the answer to the water crisis. Insects keep having the right way of things. They hurl, they turd, they drink with they butt. Why did evolution go so wrong for us? Things may be bad for us, but there is one lad in this world who is finally on the right track. That's right, I am talking about the world-famous Mr. Pickles finally getting some. In case you aren't up to date on all the big modern celebrities, Mr. Pickles is a 90-year-old radiated tortoise over in the Houston Zoo. These are an endangered species, and there are many reasons to believe this species could soon go extinct. 
but not on Mr. Pickles' watch, as the Houston Zoo recently announced that Mr. Pickles and his mate, Mrs. Pickles, welcomed three new hatchlings into the world. Dill, Gherkin, and Jalapeno. Congratulations to the now larger Pickles family. I will look at a PNG of a cigar in celebration. I feel like a proud tortoise grandfather watching his tortoise son get married and have tortoise children of his own. Chaos. That's the theory behind the Acutely Obtuse podcast. Absolute chaos. I'm trying to figure out what exactly this show is and how we'll structure things, and five episodes in, I still have no clue. So you know what? I'm embracing the chaos. More science news coming at you and infesting your brain like a brain-eating amoeba. Bro, those amoeba terrify me. I don't understand anyone who can just jump into random lakes without fear. I saw children playing in Lake Erie once and was petrified. In case you ever find yourself near Lake Erie turd hurlers, do not go in there. Whatever you do, this is not a meme. That lake is actually super unsafe for human health. And probably for fish health, but it's not like anyone will do anything to help the fish, which is super messed up and depressing. And honestly, after taking care of my fish family and seeing how unique and intelligent they all are, I'm starting to get a bit radicalized. Yes, I know, I talk about my fish family a lot, but genuinely, I don't know where I would be without them. I don't know if you've noticed this over the course of my depressive ramblings I call the Acutely Obtuse Podcast, but things have been a bit wacky on my end, and without anyone locally to really hang out with, all I have are my fish family, and they are sometimes the only beings I have to help ground me, and as ridiculous as it seems, I like to think we have at least something of a connection. More than anything, though, taking care of fish has shown me how beautiful the little things are and how important it is to pay attention to little things and to care for every part of the world. You don't need to be big, successful, or famous to matter. Simply by living, you are cool and beautiful. So yeah, my fish are what radicalized me. And speaking of being radicalized, we have another update in the great fight against all the forces that would tear our beautiful astronomy away from us. In case you're a new turd hurler, a fresh dropping in the pile, we've been talking a lot about all the ways in which astronomy is being threatened by the absolute despicable forces of this world who care more about profit and resisting even the smallest, tiniest bit of change. Well, researchers have finally issued a call to arms in a new paper published in Nature Astronomy, where scientists claimed we must fight, quote, tooth and nail, to protect the night sky. The researchers are calling for regulation on light pollution and satellites and things like that, which, uh, based as hell, regulate the hell out of the butt drinkers blaring their damn LED lights all over the place. I meant to use the term butt drinkers in reference to the bugs that drink water from the atmosphere out of their butts, but instead it sounds like I'm talking about people... Who drink butts? You know what, though? 
it still works, so I'm rolling with it. Here's a depressing factoid from the paper about how bad things have gotten. Quote, There are almost no more remote places available on Earth that simultaneously meet all the characteristics needed to install an observatory. End quote. Don't mind me. I'll just be over here, in the corner, sobbing at the absolute depravity of the human species that we are polluting the skies with so much unnecessary light that there aren't even good remote places for observatories. Okay, now that I'm done sobbing, it's time we rage. Seriously, rage. I know people would have you believe that being angry about things is uncivilized, uncouth, and un... Neapolitan, but that's just because they don't want you to point out the very true problems with our modern world and that there are very easy solutions we could all implement if we just, like, did. There's literally nothing stopping us if we all agreed and worked together. We can stop light pollution and satellites from ruining astronomy. We can get this stuff regulated if we all really seriously tried. And then why stop there? Maybe we can even go as far as to get billboards banned. Did you know billboards are actually banned in Vermont? That was another fact that made me sad and enraged that they are not banned where I live. And I doubt banning billboards would even hurt the economy that much. 90% of billboards are just paid for by religious groups. You know it's true. Go along any American highway for an extended period of time, and most of the billboards will either be about how you're going to hell, or it will have a number of for Jesus hotline, or... My personal favorite, it will be angry about evolution. There's this one billboard on the road I used to drive on to get to college, and it had the whole monkey walking up to become human graphic with a big X through it saying, In the beginning, God created Earth, not evolution, or whatever. And I love that sign so much. Because, in a sense, they're not completely wrong. Pretty much nobody legitimately believes in the whole icon monkey to human evolution simplistic pipeline thing. That graphic is a massive, massive, outdated oversimplification and is completely unreflective of how evolution actually operates and is incredibly misleading and so a lot of people who actually study evolution are pretty adamant that we shouldn't be using that image anyway. So yes, weird religious billboard people, this is one time where you are right. That image is incorrect. Wow, look at me crossing the aisle. We should get back on topic and move into the next news story. But before we do, I just want to read one more quote from the researchers talking about needing to regulate light pollution and satellites. Quote, Now is the time to consider the prohibition of mega constellations and to promote a significant reduction, and they're referring to the reduction of artificial light. Our world definitely needs a new deal for the night 
end quote. Based as hell, I can't put it any better than that. We need to listen to these researchers and actually get some legislation passed on this. Not that we will, of course. Our great and wonderful lawmakers are too busy getting mad at TikTok to do anything else. We are a nation run by Redditors, and you wonder why there is so much suffering in the U.S. of Ah! Damn it, I was trying to be less negative this episode, and I was trying to swear less. Even if damn and hell honestly shouldn't be considered swear words by this point in our history, but whatever! I'm always swearing in my head. I'm just toning it down in case any fellow turd hurlers have any sensitive sensibilities. My brain is just a constant string of the same five swear words. It's honestly gotten quite boring and uncreative. Can someone please make some new swear words for us to use? And I don't mean slurs. I don't want slurs. I want swears. Swears are words that historically offend the upper class, and slurs are words that offend the lower, you know, lower classes, lower populations, and stuff like that. The closest things we have to new swear words are just like, what, equity initiatives? <laughs> The upper class may not care if I say the big poopy word anymore, but you mention critical race theory and they'll have a brain hemorrhage. I am way off track, but hey, here's some new science news. Actually, some really cool and important science news. We've actually spotted the ghost particle, or neutrinos. I wouldn't blame you if some of your eyes just glazed over like a donut on the Krispy Kreme conveyor belt. Extremely basically, neutrinos are these little particles, they weigh so little you basically can't find their mass, and they are some of the most abundant particles in the entire universe. And for something so important and basically everywhere, we know shockingly little about them, in large part because they are so difficult to measure and to study. They are called ghost particles in part because of their low mass and in part because they literally fly through matter like ghosts. So you, right now, are surrounded by tons of little neutrino particles flying around you and passing through your bodies like ghosts. Isn't that super cool? I first learned about neutrinos when I used to work at a planetarium and we played a show on them. The show followed these researchers in Antarctica drilling down super deep into the ice and then putting these instruments down there to try and measure neutrinos, the thought being that it would be so remote and so deep and dark and far away from all other stuff, it would be much easier to detect and measure neutrinos. Today's news, though, does not come from that research. It comes from the University of California, Irvine, where they were using particle colliders to find out stuff about neutrinos. I'm not going to get into all the technical aspects of how they did this study, but the point is, using particle colliders and using emulsion, they were able to analyze particle trails and discovered that some of the trails left came from neutrinos. So yeah. This is a big deal. We are one step closer to understanding neutrinos. We'll definitely have to keep watching this research to see where it goes. 
and more big, cool discoveries we'll have to keep watching. Researchers may have found new oceans in two of Uranus's moons, Ariel and Miranda. Now, I say may have found because they're not completely sure. What we know is that there are energized plasma particles being ejected near Ariel and Miranda. So maybe one of them is doing this ejecting, or maybe both. As of now, it's still hard to say. This is a big deal, as outlined in the study in Geophysical Research Letters, because this ejection could be caused by subsurface oceans. Where there's particles, there could be water. And where there's water, there could be life. Or death. As always, more research, more data, you know, all that stuff is needed to figure out if there is an ocean inside one of these moons, and if so, who got the ocean? One more story before we head into the break here. The sun, our sun, is going a bit wild. There are two aspects to this. The first one I want to cover is a new video from NASA showing a little tornado-like spindle coming off the surface of the sun. Apparently, this little guy is as tall as 14 Earths, which is incredibly terrifying. And it's also throwing a whole bunch of plasma out into space, as a tornado the size of 14 planets would do. This little tornado is a result of a polar crown filament, which is a big plasma thing that relates to the sun's poles and magnetic fields and a whole bunch of stuff. I don't know. I tried doing my research, but it is very difficult to find anything a normal person speaking about this. I even asked ChatGPT for fish sake, and all it told me was that it was basically a big thing on the sun that gets the sun all gurgly or whatever. Thank you, artificial intelligence. Always incredibly helpful and not an overhyped, slightly improved Google search at all. But this polar crown filament caused the tornado. That's the point that matters. Another point that matters with all the sun stuff is there is a really big solar storm that is hitting the Earth. This solar storm is the strongest one in six years, and as a result of this sto solar storm, more people than usual are able to see the aurora auroras? Is that the plural for both aurora? There's the northern lights and the southern lights, and the solar storms are making both a bit stronger than usual, so depending on where you live, there is a chance you might... Uh, you might have more of a chance to see one of the aurora. At the time of this podcast, uh, this is pretty much past us by, though. And of course, on the night with the strongest likelihood of seeing the aurora, where I'm at was in the midst of a rainstorm, so I did not have a chance to even see if the aurora would have passed me by, although the chances of that happening were admittedly quite low to begin with. Someday I will see those damn lights, and I will feel happy and fulfilled and overflowing with awe at the beauty of the universe, god damn it! 
I need a few minutes to calm down. So we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, I've got another heaping helping of science news to addition to your brain, along with a grand exploration of Canada's space agency merge to see if they one up us there as well. A brand new this week in so- uh, this week in space, I mean, and so much more. I don't know what the so much more is. Maybe the so much more is just me. Am I not enough for you? Must I constantly dance, monkey dance, to make you happy? Can you not just stick through the break for our budding, distant, non-parasocial, talking human to listening human relationship? Hi, me, Ronald Origo, Regan, dead guy. Justin Trudeau was supposed to do this, but apparently he's busy with whatever the hell he be doing up there. You are listening to the Acutely Obtuse Podcast. I hate this podcast because it is good, and I hate good things, like being alive in Canada and maple syrup. So if you don't want to be a hateful little rotting corpse like me, then keep listening to the Acutely Obtuse Podcast. The most hated podcast of known corpse and worst human Ronald McDonald Regan. Well, 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 look who came back to the acutely obtuse podcast. I know you couldn't stay away from me and my depravity. Hey, speaking of depravity, during the break, I was doing a little bit of research. I'm trying to find a good source for some astronaut food because I'm just so interested in trying it. You'd be surprised how difficult it is to find decent, well-made, dehydrated garbage these days. But while I was on my quest, I stumbled upon an Amazon listing for what might just be the worst thing I have ever witnessed in my days since the birthing process. Most astronaut food is things like ice cream or fruit. You know, easy, simple snacks you can easily dehydrate for space travel. Other things NASA has said they send up in dehydrated form include chicken, seaweed, brownie, brownies, candy, nuts, you know, all simple foods that are either basic ingredients or can be easily dehydrated for space travel. Well then, I come across this Amazon listing from some random Russian company and just... I think I should just read the title of the listing for you, but what I need you to know before I tell you what this thing is, is that the product is a tube. Like, a little toothpaste tube. So keep that in mind. Okay, you ready to hear what is inside of that tube? I know you aren't, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Quote, Texas Burger, space food, beef cheeseburger, Russian astronaut food, end quote. I feel like I'm dying just looking at this thing. They made tube burgers! 
They made a toothpaste burger. There is no way that is okay. There is no way you can turn a burger into toothpaste and have that be okay and safe or whatnot. Better yet, all the product photos of people holding and interacting with the product are just really bad Photoshop of people holding the product, so it's great to know we have no real evidence of people consuming the burger. Except we do have reviews, and they do not seem exactly glowing as you would expect. Here's one review, quote, terrible Tastes like body odor. There are also a lot of rev reviews saying the product is definitely expired. So, you know, some weird scammy products from a random company across the world on Amazon selling tube food. What could go wrong? I'd be willing to try this, but I'm terrified. I feel like if I so much as put the tube to my lips, I'll get instant cancer and heart disease and a paper cut. But of course, the ride doesn't end there. I mean, a tube burger might seem wacky enough, but this company is innovative. They ain't gonna stop at just shoving a burger into a tube. Oh, no, 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 no. They have also made tube chicken nuggets, tube French fries, tube shawarma, and a tube Sicilian pizza. My stomach is churning like the spin cycle in a washing machine. My stomach is churning like Chernobyl. Here's some reviews for the tubed french fries. Quote, It tastes like if you soaked Pringles in water, then tossed them in a blender. End quote. Another review says, quote, I don't think I'd eat this even if I were starving and lost in the woods followed by a vomiting emoji. Now, for the pizza, it seems like some people really, really don't like this one. I'm gonna pull a few more reviews here. Quote, I am shocked. Do people eat this way on Earth? They don't even eat this way in space anymore. Another review, quote, It is gross. It didn't taste like pizza at all. Another review, quote, it's lard with tiny pieces of salami. So sorry, but this is literally one of the worst things I have ever tasted, end quote. And my personal favorite re review title, quote, odd tube stuff. Unfortunately, the tubed shawarma has no reviews, so we cannot vicariously experience what this weird, you know, random tube shawarma would taste like. Now, look, I know what you're thinking. We should do a taste test of these on the Acutely Obtuse podcast. I am maybe, maybe may be willing to try this if and only if you are willing to pay for any potential medical bills or if there is just enough public outcry for me to try these two foods. What can I say? I cave to peer pressure. If enough turd hurlers wish for me to digest this poison, 
I might just do it. I'll leave a poll on the Spotify page for this episode asking if this is something you turd hurlers desire. Yes, yes, I know. The Acutely Obtuse podcast is famously multi-platform, and there is a high likelihood you do not listen to this podcast on Spotify. Well, you know what? I don't care. Show me how dedicated you are. Go to the Spotify page for this episode and vote anyway. I really don't want to try these things, and will only do so if there are enough dedicated turd hurlers or if I feel like hating myself. I really don't want to try these things, so I'm adding extra barriers to entry for this poll. If this is something you really want, then you're really going to have to work for it. Well, now that I've spent way longer than was necessary ranting about strange tube food on Amazon, the time has come for us to dive deep into the depths of the Canadian Space Agency's merch store to determine once and for all if Canada has defeated us. But as anyone who has ever crossed the border into Canada like I have knows, there are a few rules we must follow before entering into Canadian internet space. The first is to, of course, be respectful. We are entering a different land with different people and should be respectful and not make any cheap Canadian jokes no matter how poignant or funny they may be. The second is to take a shot of maple syrup so, if you'll excuse me, Nice and sticky. Just how I like it. And the third thing is to recite the national anthem. Ahem. T.A. If you would. Oh, Canada, our home and native land. True patriot love. In all of us command With glowing eyes we see thee rise The true north strong and free From far and wide, O Canada We stand on guard for thee God keep our land Glorious and free Oh Canada We stand on God for thee Oh Canada We stand on God for thee Thank you, thank you. We can now enter the beautiful land of Canada. And it is a beautiful land. Like I've said, I have been known to cross the border myself from time to time. And I must say, Canada is incredible. I love Canada. It's an incredible place full of awesome people. So much love to any and all of our Canadian turd hurlers out there. Without further ado, let us move into the Canadian Space Agency store. Or I guess, uh, technically it's a museum's store, but it's the closest thing I could find to official merchandise. Right from the featured page. My fellow Americans... 
I'm sorry, but they've got us beat. If you'll recall in the last episode where we looked into NASA's merch store, I was quite disappointed by the featured section on their front page. But with this Canadian store, the front page is kind of perfect. You've got a high-quality looking patch with the Canadian Space Agency logo, a CSA hoodie which looks so, so much better than the NASA hoodie. For one, there's no giant logo on the back, just a small logo in the corner. And then on the sleeve is the C is the CSA mandate 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 mand mandate the CSA mandate in both French and English that is simply incredible. And now I kind of want this hoodie. Furthermore, the item description claims this hoodie is a quote super cool hoodie. So how can I not be enthralled? We also have t-shirts with a monochromatic version of the CSA logo that looks so good, kept in the corner, as always. The shirt comes in black and red. Personally, I really like the red. It looks great. Although, there is a logo printed on the back of the shirt, which is a bit cringe, but it does seem smaller than the NASA logo on the back of NASA's shirt was, so I'll give the point to Canada here. I love this long sleeve shirt with the logo on the front and the text on the sleeves and back, all in French, so I don't know what it says, but it looks cool and like someone thought this through and put effort into this. Meanwhile, NASA just logged onto Spreadshirt and slapped their logo on a bunch of boring garbage. <gasps> There's even a shirt for kids called the Countdown Shirt that has a 10, 9, 8 countdown going up the shirt that is so cool and fun. I would have loved to have had a shirt like this as a kid. Hell, I'd love to have a shirt like that now. So already, even with just their featured products, Canada is taking the bacon. But let's see what other products they have here for sale. There's a ton of fun looking museum toys and I know that since this is a museum store and the NASA store was not for a museum, you know, store, that's kind of unfair. So I won't give Canada the point on this one, but it still feels like it's uh, worth mentioning. Oh my god, oh my god, Canada wins, shut it down, it's over, I just found their plushie section, and not only do they have the Celestial Bodies Planet plushies that NASA sells, they have more of them, NASA only had a few planets to choose from, Canada has plushies for literally all of the planets, this is immaculate, there's a comet, and he's so good, he's so cute, he is the epitome of just a little guy. Uranus looks great and even has a little ring around him just like the planet does. Ah, I love it so much. The Venus plush is the definition of sleigh. Mercury looks like a skater kid. I greatly desire the Neptune plush with all of my heart. Neptune has always been one of my favorite planets. The Mars plush has little hair to resemble the North Pole on Mars. I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry. Oh, no. Oh, no. Now I'm actually crying. I just found the Saturn and Jupiter plushies. God, I'm trying so hard not to swear, but I really need to. 
Saturn plush wears the rings like a little halo and the Jupiter plush. The Jupiter plush has a, has the great red spot as his little nose and he's making an O shape with his mouth. I'm crying. I'm weeping. Wait, there's more? There's a Pluto plush? And he looks so happy. I take back every bad thing I have ever said about Pluto. If I knew this was his energy, I would have never thought those things. And the Pluto plush comes with a Sharon plush. So you can have Pluto and one of Pluto's moons to go with that. That is a hell of a deal. And I urge anyone with finances to purchase these plushies for me immediately and then leave them at the drop point. You know the place. I'll be there to collect. Oh my god. There are so many plushies in this store. They have a COVID vaccine plush, which is fantastic. A brain cell plush. God damn it, he looks like the last brain cell. That's him. A DNA plush. Micro plushes. A flu plush. Plush biohazards, a plush bookworm, plush salmonella, <laughs> plush red blood cell, plush heart organ, and then there's a little astronaut plush guy that is giving real sack boy energy, and now I need him in my home. This apartment cannot ever be a home without that little guy there to share it with me. Oh my god, I just found out they have variations of him based on Earth and Mars. I am dead! I am deceased! I have respectfully passed away! And there's still more! There's a donkey plush, a chickadee, a big, a, 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 a big bun bun bunny, a little bunny, a brain organ plush. He has little beady eyes and everything. God damn it, Canada! You win! As always! I'm sorry, my fellow Americans, but the time has come that we just admit Canada is better than us. Look at how many plushies they have in their store! NASA could never! This store also has bacon socks. I don't remember NASA selling bacon socks. There is so, so much other cool stuff in this store. I could sit here and talk about it for hours. But to be fair and balanced, most of the stuff in this store is not technically related to the Canadian Space Agency. So some people may argue this is not, in fact, a fair comparison. I'll sum up my thoughts like this. The NASA store had a lot more NASA-specific merchandise. You could get a product with the NASA logo slapped onto any old piece of junk. And I do mean any old piece of junk. Seriously, you could get a NASA denim jacket. Like, why? But the fewer products from the Canadian Space Agency honestly seem as though they might be higher quality and cooler. So if you want a lot of junk, Go American. If you want a few things done really well, go Canadian. I think that sums it up pretty well. Though I'm still going to give the Canadians the win here, because seriously, 
Canada is just better, guys. I beg you to spend more time there, and you'll see I'm totally right as always. And they are selling all the planet plushies instead of just a few planet plushies, so they win by default. Canada reigns supreme. Play us out, TA. T.A. Disrespectfully, what the hell was that? They're just staring at me with cold, dead eyes. And maybe that has something to do with this new research from Duke University. Quote, managers exploit loyal workers over less committed colleagues, end quote. And you know what? I don't even need to read the rest of this research. I buy it. It makes sense. I'll probably still read it anyway, but I mean, come on. We all know it's true. It's one of those deep, undeniable truths, like how ads on Spotify are the most objectively insufferable ads on the planet. I don't know how they do it, but whenever someone goes to make an ad for, for their Spotify, for their product on Spotify, they must go into the lab and use nanotechnology to make sure it makes the listener hate their product or service as much as possible. Incredible stuff. Anyway, the research basically proves that managers are always way more likely to make loyal workers do more unpaid work than less loyal workers. And while the researchers are not completely sure how to address this, one potential idea they posit is for managers to, like, realize they're doing this and then stop. Wow! Yet another very simple solution that would make the world a massively better place if people would just, like, do it. That was a bit sad. In some more positive news, NASA has released new photos of Jupiter and Uranus that show how the seasons on the planet change, and oh, it's so cool and cute and fun. It makes me so happy. Like, what could fall on Jupiter look like? Or spring? I don't really want to know what winter looks like. I can just tell it's terrifying. Obviously, since this is a podcast, I can't show you any pictures of the planet, so I implore you to read the article on NASA's website. They compare Hubble photos of the planets to show how they change. So, like, for Jupiter, they show how the planet looked in November versus January, and for Uranus, you can see how things look kind of different after a few years. God, I love astronomy, especially the planets. Can I just say that? I love the planets. I know this is likely not a surprise to anyone, but it's just so wild to me that this stuff just... exists. You know? Speaking of cool photos of space stuff, the James Webb Telescope took a photo of a big star on the brink of a supernova, and ooh, is it cool! And you should look this one up, too. Stars that are getting old and right on the verge of bursting into a supernova can go into what is called a Wolf-Rayet phase. This phase involves the star casting off some of the outer layers, and this can make halos of gas and dust and things like that, resulting in some incredible imagery. So that's another picture I'm asking you to look up. Do your homework, people. 
Hey, here is yet another cool photo you should look into. A photo of weird-looking sand dunes on Mars. NASA's Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter took a picture of some sand dunes on Mars that look kind of weird. I'm not sure how to describe them, but I'll do my best. Weird little blobs. Like, perfect circles. It's weird. It doesn't look right. It doesn't look normal. The only real explanation I could find for these is that, I don't know, maybe the wind did it. Literally, that's all I could find. Everything else says scientists don't know why these things, uh, these weird creepy blobs keep popping up everywhere. There you go. Yet another thing that we will need more data and research to truly understand. That's the theme of this episode. So let's keep it up by talking about Europa. A new study is claiming that the oceans underneath the surface of Europa might be affecting the rotation of the moon surface. The shell of Europa is made of ice, and it rotates at a different rate than the interior of the moon. Since there is evidence of an ocean underneath the ice, it makes sense to postulate that the oceans could be sloshing around and affecting how the icy surface moves. Of course, the researchers used computer models and smart things like that to figure all this out, but also, of course, there are also only computer models, so we'll need more data and research to figure this all out. And hey, maybe we'll find out more when the Europa Clipper launches to go and figure some of this stuff out next year. I actually didn't know the, 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 the Europa Clipper was gonna be a thing until today, and now I am so mad nobody told me because the Europa Clipper project seems super interesting and cool, and now I can't wait until next year to see what we discover about this weird little moon hanging out around Jupiter. Hey, where is my Europa plushie? Yeah, I searched for a Europa plushie, and all I found are European plushies, and I gotta say, hate them. These things look scary and weird. All I want is a cute plush for Jupiter's cute moon. This is officially my new pitch for those celestial plushie thingies. Okay, we have time for one more delicious slice of science news before we get into this week in space. So I need to stop obsessing over plushies and just focus. Here we go. New research claims the early universe used to be full of stars that had 10,000 times the mass of our sun and were 1,000 times larger than the biggest stars we know about in the modern time. So, like, were these stars the dinosaurs of the star world then? The researchers also claim these stars had big, bright, and relatively short lives. Basically, they were high-density lumps of gas, or there were high-density lumps of gas and space stuff, and all this stuff got lumped together and heated up, and this made a bunch of radiation that prevented the gas from fragmenting into smaller lumps, making big lumps that burst out big stars, or at least that's the general idea. As heavier elements started to proliferate the universe, though, you just couldn't make them like they used to, and we ended up with the smaller stars we have today. 
And with that, my friends, the time has come to discuss this week in space. And boy, oh boy, do we have some things to look forward to this week. We'll start out in the North, and the big story for the Northern Hemisphere this week is a planetary alignment. Mercury, Jupiter, Venus, Uranus, and Mars will all be in alignment. The best time to see this alignment is going to be the 28th of March, which is coming up quite quickly, so you're really going to want to jump on that. Look for this alignment of the planets in the western sky. Mercury is definitely going to be the hardest one to find, as it will be, uh, it will barely peak above the horizon in some places. And in others, you may just not even see Mercury at all. This is also frustrating since Jupiter and Mercury will be in conjunction if that's something you're looking for. As far as the moon, we'll be seeing the we this week. It will start as a crescent, a croissant, if you will, and the moon will be getting larger and therefore brighter as the week goes on. If you are hoping to see the moon sometime this week, that's great news, but if you're looking to find some planets and constellations, the moon might be making that a bit difficult this week. Because as the moon gets larger and reflects more light in the sky, it is going to start to wash out the rest of our sky. Paired with the wonderful light pollution we talked about earlier, and yeah, it becomes a bit of a problem. Now on to some of my own observations looking at the week ahead in Stellarium. I am using Los Angeles as my viewing point this week at 9pm. Pretty soon I'll have to start setting that time to be later in the day as the day gets longer. The moon will be near the alignment of the planets on Sunday. It will still be a crescent moon then, but as I said, it will be a waxing moon this week. Orion is still up in the sky and still reaching for Mars in the west. Arcturus will also be bright in the east, as will Leo. Cancer will be high in the south. Sirius and Canis Major are also there. You can find Sirius pretty easily since it will be the bright blue star. In the north, the Big Dipper is on its side. Cassiopeia is making an E in the sky. And the Little Dipper looks like it's resting on a shelf. Later in the week, we will start to lose Uranus, and by Tuesday, Venus will be lower in the sky. The moon will also be closer to Mars, and the moon will also be, you know, larger, which is going to start to make it hard to see Mars. By Wednesday, the moon is going to pass Mars by, which should start to hopefully make it a little bit easier to see Mars. Once we get to Friday, Venus and Uranus are going to be dancing real close together, and the moon will be bright, larger and high up in the sky. Hopefully not too bright so as to block out Mars. By this point, the moon will also start to get closer to Leo, though, so if you want to see Leo, I'd recommend looking for it earlier in the week. Now, let's move on to what our friends in the south can expect. Obviously, everything with the moon waxing will be the same. I'll be using Sydney at 9pm this week. 
Unfortunately, it does not look like you'll be getting to see the special planetary alignment us and the North will have. Mars will be low in the Northwest, and the Moon encroaching close to Mars as well. I offer you the same advice I offer the North in terms of the potential for the Moon to wash out Mars as the week goes on. You'll also have Sirius and Canis Major in the sky. It'll be near Mars. Right below Sirius is Orion, who is still near Mars, of course. Cancer will be low in the north, with Leo right besides. Comet 2017 K2 is still hanging around, low in the southwest. Later in the week, you might be able to see Venus in the western sky, though it will be very low in the sky. You'll have to be early to try and catch it. That does it for this week in space. I wish you all happy sky watching and the best of luck in all your astronomical endeavors. I myself will definitely be looking to try and catch that planetary alignment. It sounds like it will be a pretty cool. Unfortunately, that is where we will have to end today's episode of the Acutely Obtuse Podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today and for allowing me to squat in your brain for a bit. Eh, now the show is over, I guess I'll have to find another brain to go squat in. I'm starting to think this lifestyle might not be the best for me. As I continue to explore other people's brains, I implore you to go out and explore the universe. Have a fantastic week. I love you, and I will see you next time. Later, turd hurlers.
Crush my cock with a rock I must. Maximum pain I must injure. Healthier we go. Ah.